Hello, everybody. Uh, this is Brian, the Keto Newbie, uh, checking in on behalf of Dr. Carl Goldcamp today. Uh, in today's episode, uh, I actually have a conversation with the doctor about a couple of things that uh, I was thinking about and wanted to consider when looking into a protein-sparing fast, which I will actually be undergoing myself for about three or four days. I'd like to take a quick second to invite everybody to join our Keto Naturopath Facebook group. To find us, just click the search bar and type in Keto Naturopath. And if you have any questions, uh, please drop by to the website, ketonaturopath.com, under contact, and uh, leave any questions that you might have there pertaining to this episode, anything covered in the past, or if you just have any questions in general that you want to leave for the doctor. Thanks. I hope you enjoy, and have a great day. Hi, this is Dr. Carl Goldcamp. If you're interested in learning about the ketogenic diet like I was to save my own life, then this is probably the podcast for you. Eight years ago, I knew nothing about it. Six years ago, it saved my life. Three years ago, I started researching and talking with some of the authorities in the field and attending medical conferences about this to understand why and how keto so dramatically changed my and my wife's Judy's lives. The purpose of this podcast is to share our journey of discoveries with you in understanding how keto is so effective in improving so many different conditions from obesity, epilepsy, diabetes, infertility, MS, Alzheimer's, heart disease, to name a few. So take a step away from all the hype you've probably heard and roll up your sleeves with me and join me weekly to explore this living miracle that anyone can access. We'll talk science, we'll talk food. We'll explore its history and evolution to today, which is that the sheer wonder of the ketogenic way of eating has changed untold number of lives, unlike anything before it. And in case I forget to mention it, please join our Facebook group, Keto Naturopath. You know, what, what is the focus that you want to do? Um, well, first things first, I would like to uh, get back to some basics real quick. One of the first things I noted, I noticed since recording food and stuff that I had uh, throughout the week so far uh, is that I'm not quite reaching what I had set out for my protein numbers. I'm definitely doing okay as far as caloric intake. You know, I'm definitely mm -hmm. eating enough. Uh, I'm not reaching uh, my desired numbers for, for macros, which for me, for protein, is 30% uh, of my total caloric Okay, so when you do day. that, Brian, so let's back up. So your objective is what? Sort of to put it out there like as a masking tape over the top of the file. You know, your, Brian's objective is? I, I just want to see what the effects are for me from switching from a higher fat diet to doing a protein sparing fast uh, for about a week. Um, one thing that I'm curious about is, you know, when initially we had started off and, you know, I, I was venturing into getting into keto, that was something that I had signed up for for 60 days. At this particular point, I'm going on the better part of almost four, four ish months now. Uh, doing keto. I've dropped uh, about 40-ish pounds, like somewhere in the neighborhood. I fluctuate between like 40 mm -hmm. and 43 uh, as far as total lost. But I was just curious as to why it was that for me to start this, am I doing this for just a week? Is this just, is this, is this like a, a reasonable sample size or, or, or am I going into this with under the impression of, you know, if I do do this, it's going to be, you know, temporary. It's going to be for a shorter stints than I would 
as far as like my okay. regular diet. Let me, let me put some definitions here with, with terms. So the this part is the protein sparing fast. And so uh, we just did this last week for just four days. So I, I know what the effects are even with me and then with Judy and we're very different people, different genders for sure. Um, that, that the protein sparing modified fast, that's the whole title, meaning you're, you're taking protein, but you're not doing fats or anything else. So it's a fast in all other uh, contexts of the word. But what I find the definitive difference is, is the proteins you use. And so when we talk about what proteins to use, it's protein, it's like chicken without the skin. It's eggs without the yolk. It's pork without the fat around the side, because those are easy things. It's fish for the most part, or it's, you know, the uh, sardines or the, um, the mackerel that you can add, you know, apple cider vinegar to. So those, that's how sparing we are in the fat, but there are whole food sources of fat. So as opposed to doing a quote unquote protein sparing modified fast with ribeye or with porterhouse or with, um, what else? Or with, I mean, salmon would be fine because it's a fish, it's a fatty fish, but you know, what we're trying to do is trim out the conspicuous aspects of the fat for a couple of days. So for me, and we did it this last week and primarily because Judy struggles with her weight. She comes from a family of huge diabetics. Uh, I was about to say, you know, they're so huge that they, you wouldn't know if they fell down. They're that big, you know, um, they're there. And then, so she's really struggled with it in a number of generations. And so it is different and as well as being a different gender. So we both had benefits. So for four days, we did the chicken, the white egg, the egg whites, the pork and the sardines. And so I dropped five pounds. I'm 166 down to 159. Forgot what she did, but she says she can't do anything. And she's always said, no, this never worked. This never worked. And I said, let's be real specific. So she dropped uh, two to three pounds. So now she's, let's do this every week for three or four days. And that's fine. So now to you, what exactly are you implementing? And what, you know, we need to know, I'm all about the details. I'm, I'm the data guy. So what exactly are you doing? Uh, as far as what my plans are for the protein sparing yep. fast or yeah, what, what am I did do for the past doing? week? The, for the past week, all I have been doing is uh, just my typical stuff as far as a ketogenic diet. I'm actually not going to be able to start doing uh, the protein fast until this upcoming week. Uh, so for me, it's, uh, it's been 65, 65% fat 30% protein uh, with 5% or less of Okay, carbs. so when you talk that way, I mean, there's like, there's two languages, like two, I find that like two buses that go by each other and they're both in the keto lane. And one is talking in percents because I don't know what that means. The way I talk about protein is grams of protein per kilogram, per kilogram of ideal body weight. You know, that's kind of what's out there and that's what how people research it. So when they go, oh, my protein is, you know, percent this, percent that, I go, you know, I, I don't swim in that language. I don't, I don't, it just doesn't, you know, compute and a lot of people do. And so do you know, can you calculate, you know, for a guy your age and height and everything else, um, how much protein you're doing per kilogram of body weight, of ideal body weight. So let's say Brian's what are you five, six are you in, I think? Um, five, five. I'm like just a okay, hair. We'll call five, it five, six. So five, six. And I don't know what that is for ideal, but my guess is your ballpark 
protein needs would be around 90 grams a day. I mean, I didn't figure that out, but I'm probably not off by much. 90 grams a day. Okay, so we're, go, we're looking at 90 grams a day. I'm actually opening up my chronometer right now. And we're going to go to the very first day where I started actually checking this out. Uh, day one was 83 grams. Okay, so I'd say that, and this is, I'd have to go check it, but I, we're, we're pretty close with 90. And so what 90 is, uh, 90 is a 12-ounce ribeye, well, forget the ribeye, the fat. So yeah, in the terms of protein, it's a 12-ounce ribeye, subtract the fat. So you're probably a little under mm-hmm. the protein that you require, is my guess. Okay. Um, and probably not off by much. And you, you, said, it, and you said it was uh, 1.5 grams per... Kilograms I look at what as a minimal. I go 1.5 to, to up to two grams, but I calculate ideal body weight, which you can do it online, you know. Um, and then I go, all right, here's the bottom. Yeah, I don't want any less than this. And if one is doing a protein sparing modified fast only, then I let them go, hey, don't worry about the upper, upper limit. Eat until you're no longer hungry. So if you have a lunch, you have a dinner or whatever, you're, whenever you do your protein things, have it so you're not hungry. Just work on not being hungry. And it's usually higher. And um, and then you'll find that you're probably losing weight. I mean, losing fat. So I take the upper limit off it. I, t- I tend not to be so macro-oriented other than, hey, we're not doing fats. We're not doing carbs. All we got are whole food sources yeah. of protein. So go for it and take off the conspicuous fats. Okay. So, all right. So according to this, my ideal weight, which to me is kind of wild. I, I haven't actually weighed this much since I was uh, a wrestler in my senior year of high school, 136 pounds uh, for my height. And it's saying that that's going to be, uh, let me see, 61 kilograms. And we're saying at least 1.5. Wow. You pretty much nailed it. It's 91.5. Ah, yeah, yeah. Very nice stuff. You go through Very enough. Nice. You kind of memorize the, the, the numbers. so there's that and so what i say is all right so you know use this is not rocket science so use 90 as your bottom and figure out what 90 is in terms of for the we're talking about the protein sparing modified fast setting yourself up for a week really uh, even generally macros you know 90 is your bottom and during those three or four days or a whole week whatever you want to do you have that as your bottom and just eat until you're not hungry so you you'll probably never double it it's hard to eat too much protein. You'll probably go up to maybe 130 and 140, and I doubt even that high on any given day. So, um, and the choices I've come down to are pork, because you can trim off the fat around the side, pork loin. You obviously, the, the egg whites. And then I also say, if you're gonna make an omelet, do you like uh, one real egg with the yolk and five, uh, four, egg whites. And so you got a little fat in there. So I'm not, we're not being devoid of fat. We're being realistic. Um, and we don't want you to go to protein powders or any of the other crap. We're just trying to be a little more holistic. Um, fish is fine, especially if you do the canned, sa- uh, canned, well, canned salmon, tuna, and mackerel, and sardines. Uh, try to discourage tuna due to the mercury. Uh, salmon's fine. and uh, we used to add tell people to add mayo and add C8. Now we're saying add some apple cider vinegar. This isn't like a now and then. We're saying for this particular situation, don't add the fat. But if you add apple cider vinegar, you'll like it a lot more. Okay. No, that works for me. If you, if you hear me typing, I know my keyboard's a little loud. I'm actually typing out some of the foods that you're recommending here. 
uh, as we have this conversation. But um, but this is actually going to be kind of interesting for me because I'm kind of at the point where I feel like I have bottomed out in terms of my potential with my present diet. Uh, although I'm, I, I could say with you know pretty solid confidence that I'm sure if all I did was manipulate what macros I had and stayed pretty stringent to that, I would probably be able to you know get more out of what I'm doing. But this is actually pretty interesting, considering. I mean, uh, you're saying Judy's wanting to do this for at least a few days a week, almost every week. That's that's actually that's actually a, a kind of interesting to hear. That this is something that somebody who has uh, who is very deep in the life in terms of keto uh, would actually, you know, be looking forward and looking towards this to get personal results. I think, uh, I think. Yeah. Well, her, I mean, her, her motivation, I mean, besides being a woman, uh, her whole thing is to chant a menangioma and it pressed up against the the pineal gland, the um, pituitary gland, sorry. And so that really made a lot of her hormones kind of messed up. And so I think she's trying to come back from that, but anyways, it's not effective. Whatever we do is not as effective for her as it is with me. And so every time I say, hey, let's do this. And she goes, no, I've already tried that. And I said, no, let's really do this. And so this time we really did it this way. And she goes, huh, lost some weight. So now she's into it, you know, and despite the fact that she thought she did this a hundred times, um, you know, now she's into it. And so I'm fine with it. And so you, you know, we have, uh, yeah, so she's really good for the cook. But so we have to, uh, I love the chicken breast that she does. Uh, the pork is really good too. Um, for a snack slash lunch, it's, you know, you get your can of sardines or mackerel, take out a couple cans, mush them together, add in some apple cider vinegar, which also helps to sensitize your insulin merely as an aside. It is very effective. So as they say, when mom is happy, everybody's happy. So she's found, you know, and it's a tool. We just finished up with our next group of guys that came through. And we, in the last three weeks, we ended up at a protein sparing modified fast. And initially they said, oh, I wish we did this earlier. I would have lost more weight. But now we had this sort of summary talk and so on and so forth. They said, no, it was perfect because they needed to be fat adapted. So at the beginning of the program, we said, have all the fat you can, you know, max out your fat macro. We're going to box in your metabolism. So you become fat adapted sooner than later. And those who did, uh, did better on the, uh, they got more gains. Everybody got a gain. They got more gains on the protein sparing modified fast. So once you're fat adapted, which you have been, Brian, um, now this is a tool that in the course of the, you know, you can do it in any situation. You know, you also can keep yourself from being ostracized in any particular social. You know, you go, oh, I'll just do the chicken or the fish and I'm good. And people see you sitting down and don't feel you're like shunning their, their carbs or cake or whatever. Say, oh, I'm, I'm good. Good. Now, uh, I know that for, for me, one of the most attractive things and one of the things that I, I grew to love the absolute most in terms of anything involving a low carb or a keto lifestyle was the other benefits that come along with, you know, losing the weight. Um, at this particular juncture, uh, you know, losing weight isn't as important to me as my ability to get, you know, restful sleep or uh, dealing with with you know less physical pain and having any of my inflammation and things like things of that nature, uh, not as not affectingly as deeply as 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 before, uh, should I be anticipating any changes in terms of the other additional benefits that I have already gotten uh, from following a keto? There lifestyle? is a shift. There is a shift. I think um, when you take a real conscious approach to saying, "All right, 
we're really not doing fat this week. We're not doing conscious fat for uh, this week or three or four days. I don't really think you have to do more than three or four days, but you can try it for a week. Uh, what I like about it is there's no damage being done. But I think you're going to going to notice a sleep difference. Is that did I notice it? I don't think so. I don't think Judy did either. Mm. But you know, suddenly there's this. You know, just like when you took away the carbs, your your kidneys had to adjust. You know, it's like whoa. You know, and suddenly you needed to add salt on the things you used, and so on. Uh, with fat, you're going to find like, hmm, I had the same amount of protein that I usually had but I'm still hungry. So you're probably going to have to have more protein. At least when I went to bed, I went to bed fuller. I think my sleep was as deep, but you will notice a sense. I don't think there, uh, there's certainly nothing in the way of pain. All this, you know, uh, don't I wish it was easy to take something like CRP, you know, your, your glucose, your ketones, your insulin and your CRP. That would be great, but never going to happen for a while. But because you'd see that this would further, be an anti-inflammatory. So depending on if one had inflammation and what that inflammation was from, then that would probably drop. Now, um, we had discussed this a little bit in private, but a little bit about a week or so ago. uh, And I had asked about uh, if there were any supplements that I should be looking to acquire or to partner up with what it is that I'm going to be doing diet-wise for the few days uh, once I do actually start this. Um, what what exactly would you be recommending as far as that is concerned? The only thing that really is, is always the number one, it's, you can say electrolytes. And that, and some people don't need to do anything about it. You know, it's like, yeah, they're fine. Um, I do think, and I do use salt. I was never a salt guy in my life ever. And so in doing this, and I like coffee, and that's not necessarily, I like a lot of coffee. And so... Uh, for me, I'm conscious of actually putting salt in my coffee, and that kind of cuts the bitterness. It's also adding the sodium that uh, makes up for the difference. It's kind of a natural way to having more sodium. And, and, and uh, I actually don't put it on my food, but Judy puts it on afterwards. But other than that, I would say, depending on if the only, the only thing I've found, people who drink as much coffee as myself, that they will probably get cramps, toes, feet kind of thing. Um, and if they're only doing it for three or four days, they probably won't notice it at all. So what does that mean? It means they, like we mentioned before, take magnesium. That could be magnesium, you know, citrate, malate, uh, glycinate, all those are fine. And it's this, again, it's not rocket science, but the cramps that they're going to feel, and there's one woman that we've been working with, uh, who's a little bit of an exception that we actually have her do, um, just table salt. She could do sea salt if she wanted to. Um, but she brought in light salt, which is a potassium source. So I wanted to make sure she had enough potassium. So sometimes if this is the first sort of exposure, I sort of doubt it. I'm going to go on an assumption that people, the collective audience are talking to, has already done keto and they're already fat adapted. Well, then there's probably not much more they're going to have to do at all uh, relative to what they're doing. If they've never had to do electrolytes, meaning salt, potassium, maybe sometimes, or magnesium, and then they'll probably have to consider it now. But if it's only for three or four days, I, I would say let it be as natural as possible. Just focus on the source of protein and make it fun and doable. You know, so it shouldn't be an exercise in discipline. If you're still hungry, go eat more. Mm. 
Okay. Okay. Easy enough. Now, and I know you said make it fun. And uh, I know that that means a lot of different things to a lot of people when it comes to food. Uh, in terms of things like, you know, seasonings and, and stuff like that, uh, are we drawing a line anywhere in terms of what it is that I can do? No, we use a lot of seasoning. So if your seasoning's natural, meaning it is pepper and it is herbs and so on and so forth, go for it. And I think that is the case with you and your background. Mm. You know, um, absolutely. The more, the better. And you, in you know, learn the tricks of your, your heritage kind of thing. That's what we do. So um, oddly, there's, you know, I've uh, people who use salt generally in life, put it on their foods. I've never put salt on my foods. I put it in my coffee. Hmm. And so that would be the only thing that I would sort of, if one gets cramps, it's drink more fluids for one and uh, put salt in it and magnesium. So I do take it, I mentioned about coffee. I do take uh, magnesium and a CalMag. So I do magnesium, uh, glycinate, malate, and separately CalMag once a day before I go to bed. Um, some people think it helps you sleep. In Chinese medicine, you take your you take your minerals at night and you take your herbs in the morning. It kind of goes along with that. Um, so that's about it. It's, it's hard to screw it up. You won't get into any emergencies. If you get some cramps, they're easy to treat. In the first case, you get cramps, drink water. Second case, drink, uh, you know, put salt in your coffee or water. It's salt, potassium. That should take care of 90% of it. Other than that, take a magnesium supplement. Um, now, in terms of, uh, because I'm, I'm sure at some point or another while I do this, uh, I'm, I'm going to be the sucker that ends up trying to do something with ground beef because mm -hmm. for whatever reason I'm, can't get enough of that stuff. Uh, should I be leaning more towards like the 90, 95? I would for these, yeah, for, uh, for this particular bracket of time. Yeah, try to make it lean. So everything's lean and now you're going to choose all the foods you never chose before because they're too normal. Uh, one thing uh, that I'm actually going to be looking forward to a little bit is uh, getting a little more sardine in my life. I've only recently just crossed the threshold to eating sardines, um, and I've become very quickly yeah. obsessed with them. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a nice uh, a nice one to have in my back. It, it is the sure, go-to food. Absolutely, is the go-to food. If you had to live for uh, a month of doing this, it would be sardines. You've got some fats in there and so on, but sardines are you got your calcium. You got so many good things in sardines. Uh, mackerels are a close second, but sardines are actually unique, and they're not that polluted. Like uh, in the sense of uh, tuna fish and swordfish, and everything else. You don't have to worry about it. Definitely good to know. So th this doesn't seem like it's actually going to be incredibly difficult for me at, at this particular juncture. I mean, I know uh, as a as a quick comparison, when I first tried hopping uh, back on the wagon for for keto, I tried. Uh, sort of doing something similar to this. I just said, oh, hey, I'm, I'm going to just try to restrict my carbs and because I didn't really have much in the way of uh, fat sources at the time. It was basically just uh, chicken breast and things like that. And it, it felt a little challenging to me. I mean, granted, I was still going through the, uh, the growing pains of, uh, you know, becoming fat adapted again. But, you know, uh, what was it? I think it was uh, last, yeah, it was last weekend. Uh, I didn't really have a whole lot of time Friday just uh, due to work and everything. And I came home. First thing we did was clean the apartment. Uh, just sort of went, went about my night. I managed to skip the entire day uh, without eating. Woke up Saturday. I had a cup of coffee and, uh, you know, like a, a bad vegetative person just started playing video games. And I was pretty much mm -hmm. lost out there mm -hmm. and didn't 
I, I managed to make it almost almost 40 hours without a meal and I mm. felt completely fine. So, you know, I feel like this version of, you know, well, before I continue, effectively what's happening here is my body is believing that I'm fasting even though right. I am eating. That's right, exactly right. And also uh, my reframe has been over all these years of doing it and working with other people, as much as we collectively think, well, this is kind of weird how I started this diet and it has all these benefits. I now try to reframe it by saying, no, this is actually you going back to how it should have been. And I'm, I'm not, there's no glory to the diets like that. It's just that there's too much history behind this. There's too much support behind this to think otherwise, you know, and say now specifically, we're talking about the lower fat protein is like, okay, there was times in which where whatever epic you want to put yourself in archeologically is that this is when they had those, you know, pemmican jawbreakers that they put in their little satchel and they chewed on, you know, really dried meat for a number of days. This is what this is. And it seems very appropriate. And then of course there's times in which they didn't eat anything and they were lucky enough to have enough water. But this whole idea of going with low fat is not like, Oh my gosh, these guys are really being, um, artificial, you know, uh, contrived. Not at all. I think this is actually, you know, you, you go without these moments of a particular macro and there's very few carbs that one would have ever. I think archeologically I'm speaking now, certainly before the last 10,000 years that, you know, this is fine. This is kind of how people lived. And so now we go back to how, you know, the many millennia that we developed our genes through this makes per- perfect sense socially though it does not make perfect sense socially we're in a whole different place let's go to mcdonald's let's go out let's go do this other thing well that's you know obviously not how our genes grow now uh one thing that i actually wanted to touch uh touch back on really quick uh about what i was saying with fasting outside of me being able to consume food uh would you say that what the effects or what actually ends up happening in my body is more or less the same as actual fast. And like if I actually went on a legitimate fast for say two or three days, uh, does your body undergo more or less the exact same changes? Or I mean, what are the biggest differences between doing something like a protein sparing fast versus actually fasting outside of? Uh, I would say it does in the sense fasting. I think your body responds to lack of carbs. That's the first sort of like when you start dropping your carbs or have no carbs, um, which is what, keto is for the most part and in various degrees of keto your body goes what just happened so it that's where the ketones come from so you don't have to go fatless obviously to go to get to ketone production but ketone production comes out when there's no carbs and so when you look at it there's really just two fuels you know it's carbs which goes to glucose but proteins are really interesting you know so proteins are i can't remember if it's 21 or 22 and arguably eight or nine essential is that the distance between glucose and a protein, you know, there are some amino acids that your body will respond glycemically, meaning like just like glucose at 100%. And how do they know that? Is that that when they measure your breath, everything's what they call a respiratory quotient. It's either going to be, uh, and it's the amount of carbon dioxide over oxygen. So they measure carbon dioxide, they measure oxygen. The degree that's a one-on-one relationship, equal amount of carbon dioxide, equal amount of oxygen, O2, 
that that means you are burning carbs primarily. And when you're down to 70, and arguably 69, 0.7, sorry, 0.7, 0.69, that means, so they're measuring just in your breath, what you're expelling, that you're burning um, fats. So they've done this, you know, right down the whole amino acid chain, and there's a number of amino acids that respond just as if you were eating uh, glucose or carbs. And because, you know, your body, and that goes to your body can make as much glucose as it wants. And, and glucose, as this fuel, is kind of like a protein in disguise, if you will. It's slightly modified. Boom, you got it. So it's never a stress for the body to make its own glucose. That's never a question. So if you're out of glucose, not a problem. We got it. We got that covered. So the two fuels are it's either fat, which is really the keto source, right? The keto source. Or it's carbs and proteins, and really they're the same stuff. So when you look at it that way, and that's how the ketogenic diet was, they, they actually added up the grams of carbs and fat, uh, sorry, the carbs and proteins together versus the amount of fat. And so you would get um, ratio diets. They're like a four to one, so it's fats, then carbs and, and proteins together. A four to one, a three to one, a two to one. And that's how they'd measure it. Because carbs and proteins are so close to each other, and some proteins are burned exactly the same efficiency by that respiratory quotient will come out the same way. So um, there's not much you have to do other than uh, not have the fat, and because then your body goes, all right, we'll burn our own fat. You know, you're not telling us what to do, we'll burn our own fat. And that's pretty much it. So in the bigger picture, when we look at protein-modified sparing fast, yeah, it's the same thing. It's just like, hey, you know, you're, have, you're having a little more cumbersome way of eating carbs, if you ask me. And, and some people who have done this, they said, yeah, I did, I did lose weight. But my glucose readings, because they're doing gl uh, glucometer readings, came up a little bit. You know, they, I'm usually 85 and I was doing in my mid-90s. Why is that? Well, the protein you were eating was quickly changed, digested too, even though there's cost of digesting proteins. So that's why. Now, it's not a bad thing. Certainly not huge or high, but they'd still lost the fat, which is really usually the motivation for doing this. Very cool. Now I know that I know that uh, previously, and I don't know if you're if you still currently stand on this position, but I know that in previous conversations and previous podcasts, you would recommend trying uh, a fast every so often, uh, you know, throughout your year. Uh, it, would this be something that you could do in place of that? And if that is the case, or even if it isn't in the uh, even if it isn't the case, would you still recommend doing something like this with some frequency, be it for maintenance, so to speak, or uh, maybe other health benefits? I reasons? would. You know, I so I've fasted twice in seven days, and number three day fast, and and Judy, my and Judy, my wife. Um, feels more need to do that because of she has more difficulty with her weight than me. This is such a relief. You know, I don't like fasting. I don't like going three days without fasting. Yeah, I can do it, but I did it, done it, documented it. <laughs> As I say, got the t-shirt, but um, I don't want to do that anymore. This is absolutely the thing that I would put in place of that. Unless Judy felt, Hey, we're going to go without 
for a day or two, fine. Yeah, let's, we can go up to our, do our fast. But I find this is all the same benefits. In fact, I think more because um, there's somebody, Steve Finney, who works for, he's, he can plug him in. He's done a lot of work on on this and now he works at Verta Health. Uh, he's the first to say, you know, fasting isn't that necessarily healthy. Anything beyond a three-day fast, you're starting to digest your own protein, meaning your muscle. So if you're eating protein, you've now protected your muscle. So you're not digesting, you're not breaking down, you're not losing any muscle mass. You're, you're losing lean tissue only because that's a vague term. Lean tissue means if you're not eating anything, you have less in your gut, and so that's less lean tissue. It's kind of a vague reference. Um, but you're not losing any muscle mass. So I think it has a big upside, and it has the same, it has the same upside of fat loss, which is why people generally fast. Um, and it has the other upside is you don't lose any muscle mass. Nice. Okay. Cause uh, you know, that, that's something that, you know, was a little bit of a con- uh, concern for me. One thing I was really surprised by was that when I first uh, started measuring and doing everything with keto in the beginning is that I actually saw, even though I was not working out or lifting weights or anything like that, I did see a slight increase in terms of uh, muscle mass, which I thought was kind of counterintuitive considering that, you know, uh, i I was getting a quote unquote lesser diet, so to speak, in terms of uh, what I was putting into my body. Of course, my thinking in terms of what you need to build muscle or to sustain muscle was a totally different animal then than it is now. But this being something that you only do for short periods of time, I mean, are there versions of this that people that people actually practice or use lifestyle wise in terms of diet? Uh, where where you've seen similar things or is it is it pretty consistent that you just don't really lose very much muscle mass at all yeah no i think that as i say so for you if you maintained at least your 90 and once you eyeball what 90 is in terms of all those things we talked about then you're good um no i don't see any downside and how long people could do this they could do this for weeks on end they could do it a month whereas i would not be saying that about a fast you know i would say yeah, what I what, the reason we got into this um, well, on Judy's side, it's she's always you know, she's gained back loss, and so she's much more um, a, a different situation than mine in, in, in my situation. But the reason we did, do this is because people who are drawn to fasting as a nothing, a water fast, are people who have high addiction. You know, they're coming away from drugs, coffee, anything. You know, they're just these drivers. It's all or nothing. You know, they can have a, have a crazy life, you know, nondescript in there. They don't care about their diet, but they're going to fast for a month and it'll all be good. And that's their kind of attitude. And they'll go beyond what's safe or necessary and get themselves in potentially trouble. And I've seen this. We've had some former students this way and you got to pull them back. So I've been less about supporting these kind of fasts, you know, and obviously intermittent fasting. It's too bad it shares the same kind of name, but you know, time restricted eating is fine. And that's, we, everybody does that and they should do that. But in terms of multi-day fasts, multi-week fasts, no, I don't see a reason for it. I, I see the downside can be very great, but it attracts people who tend to want to do one thing that's going to correct their life. So they're very, um, I hate to say it this way, they see the world very superficially. They see their health very superficially. 
and they think that this will change everything. And so uh, it allows me to plug in something else to that kind of personality that will be far safer and far more beneficial. So if they did this for a month, I'd prefer them not to go that long. And I have no particular hard evidence why I'd wish that, but start off small and see how it works. Everybody's so different that you don't know when somebody's going to freak out because of something or other, you know, or something. So, but anyway, this is far, far, far safer than a full-on fast. Very cool. I'm I'm actually looking forward to giving this uh, giving this a shot and and seeing what you know what changes. Uh, if there are any changes, I understand that everybody's a little different. Not everybody will actually get the same results uh, to this. Uh, if I have any results at all. Uh, or yeah, not. Please. So uh, yeah, definitely, definitely going to be uh, looking. Yeah, when you think of when you think of fluids, when you think of gosh, you can take a few cans of sardines with you, and with or without the, um, it's always nice to add the apple cider vinegar because they're kind of. Well, it depends how you like sardines, but I mean, you don't need much to make this work, really. Um, no, I'm seeing that now, and you know, this is even simpler than than keto. Is. I mean, it is. it's kind of. Kind of hard to make uh, to to mess no, it up. No, no, and I think what this is, I think this is evidence of this is the truth of how we can get by and how people did get by, how mankind did get by for all our. I was reading about the Pleistocene a while ago, but I mean, hundreds of years, hundreds of thousands of years ago. I mean, this is how pretty much they ate. So, uh, anyway, yeah, by all means, get back measure. It's you know, I love documents of you put your weight or what you're going to notice is your belly fat. However thin or fat you think you are, this is your own thing. Grab that once a day. This is kind of the same as measuring your waist. If you even have any fat on your waist as a guy, but um, you're going to find that's going to disappear. It's going to melt away. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, going to be looking forward to this one, especially since, you know, uh, right now we're, we're yeah. all in quarantine. Um, New Jersey is uh, an absolute hotbed for, you know, uh, people advocating, you know, for staying in just because of our, our numbers are pretty outrageous at the, at the present moment. Not, you know, outside of what I'm able to do here at home, which is, you know, maybe some body weight stuff here or there. I don't really have, you know, the same means of being able to do things physically that help me take care of myself, be it rock climbing, jujitsu, right. going to the gym. Right. So, you know, uh, doing something for myself at this particular juncture just kind of feels right. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it and feeling very hopeful. Uh, yeah, no, I think it should be dramatic. In fact, that, that's, it's, it's, you bring up a really good point. We are all locked in. And you know, I think people go two ways. They can't tolerate it, you know, they, and it just get fed up with themselves uh, or their partner or their situation. Or they actually use this as an extraordinary opportunity to do something they didn't have the um, willingness to have sort of a consistency to. So that would be diet. You know, they always said, well, I got to go to work and do all this. And so, well, no, here you are. Buy all the food you need. This is all, you know, so now become certain things can be done and certain habits can be established. Family size, individually wise, you know, and it's like, so it's an ex so people have taken this on and other things like this, of course, um, to really make a difference. And they go, holy smoke. So it's a great place to take away some lessons for that other life that we think will happen eventually. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I figure we're going to be having all this time to ourselves and, you know, I, I, why not make this the perfect opportunity to have a transformation, you know, if that's something that you're, you're looking to do. I mean, there's so much more time now that, you know, we as a, as a population have just generally have now 
definitely try to make the, the yeah, most no, absolutely. Again. Well, this is good, Brian. I, I look forward to it. We should have a follow-up and tell us, you know, what you did and didn't do or what worked out for you. Cause it's gotta be real world. This isn't putting people on some Mars and has special diet. It's, it works into one's life. And, and by the way, yeah, you're one of the few people that are actually working and going outside your house. So, um, you're unique in that regard as well as others. Oh yeah. I, I'm, uh, I, first of all, I feel very fortunate to be, you know, among, you know, one of the few people right now that are able to regularly get some work in right now, but, uh, being able to get some perspective in terms of how I'm feeling throughout the day. Uh, one of those things that we had discussed, uh, back when I had originally was having these conversations with you was that, you know, at some point I was going to have, uh, so to speak, a, a higher a, a higher sense of what's actually going on with my body in terms of how I feel throughout the day, be it physically, uh, mentally, emotionally, things like that. Um, you know, for me, going to work isn't necessarily the most stress-free thing. So being able to figure out, you know, how this might affect me in terms of, you know, my mood, uh, the amount of energy that I have, things like that. Uh, these are all things that I'm absolutely looking forward to, you know, uh, getting a a better uh, finger on the pulse, so to speak, and you know, being able to take some notes down and all of that because all of that stuff matters. Absolutely to me. right. Absolutely right. Well, good. So, till next time, um, you know, I, I think it's neat your experiments that you do, you know, with with my and that you're nice enough to ask for my advice. Hey, uh, you know, I, I figure uh, I have a great resource. It would be uh, it would be foolish of me to not try okay, to. Okay, I'll go with that. I'll leave it at that one. All right. Hey, you have a yep, great day. Take care, Ryan. Thank you again. Hi, this is Dr. Goldcamp. I just wanted to encourage you to send in your questions to drgoldcamp at ketonaturopath.com. Many of you have, and so what I've done with these questions that I've gotten back to most of the people I email, but some of the questions that were so good, and if they were overlapping to other questions, I would combine them and try to put that into the topic of a podcast, either via one of the micro topics that are covered in an interview. As you know, we cover a lot of topics in any given interview or some of my own sort of reporting, if you will, on some of these issues. So uh, please keep the questions coming. Feel free to send in an email and uh, I will get back to you. One thing I want to say, a number of questions have come in in which I've given this answer and the email didn't work. So just make sure that you're receiving at the same email that you sent it in. And I think that might've been the difficulty. So I look forward to your questions. I just wanted to make sure that you knew that I'm hoping to answer your questions. And I think this world of keto, is not just black and white. You know, it's nice that it's simple, but it's not simple for some. I'm really trying to, you know, go down as anybody any of you who have listened to all my podcasts, we started way back when, history and evolution, epilepsy, and so on and so forth. You know, now we're seeing some tremendous overlap in uh, various uh, mental disorders, such as schizophrenia or neurological disorders that are not just epilepsy. And also, just for people in losing weight, it's sometimes pretty complicated for them to engage in keto, and so they need some help. And so that's the whole point of 
at least that's what I think I'm doing, is exploring the world of why are there other factors? So in exploring some of those other factors, we've covered addiction, we've covered hormones, we've covered uh, nutritional deficiencies, we've covered certain metabolic lab results, and we'll go further. We'll even get to more on genome and aspects. So these are all just contributions that make for an obstacle for some people to engage easily in the ketogenic diet. This is my belief, and these are the things that I've discovered, and I think other people have discovered some of these things, but not ever put them together. So stay listening, send in your questions, and I will definitely get back to you.